All right. So we are live with the podcast, How Do Men? And this is a podcast with the ambition of building conversation, co-learning and co-creation in order to find solutions, tools and concrete tips for the modern man. So I'm here today with Ted Wallach. Ted is a former filmmaker who's been assisting Martin Scorsese and produced films across Bollywood, Hollywood, the Middle East and Europe. He then transitioned from movies to marketing, creating impactful social campaigns for the likes of WeWork and American Express. Today, Ted coaches individuals typically who have been successful in win-lose metrics governed by rivalrous conflict, who are interested in chapter two of their life, lives, stepping into a new story of value. And he's integrating multiple disciplines, including Taoism, quantum mechanics, restorative justice, circle keeping, design, systems thinking, and Hubert Tantra and etc. As a visiting scholar at Stanford's Peace Innovation Lab, he's focused on promoting mature masculinity through his program Quantum Warrior. And recently, Ted was asked to work with the Center for World Philosophy and Religion, born out of the Ken Wilber's Integral Institutes. Uh, the vision of the center is to reverse the meta crisis, multiple existential crisis that may destroy humanity and or our humanity by address addressing our global intimacy disorder. And he is currently um, writing on his latest book, How to Get Fired. Wow, a big welcome to you, Ted. Thank you so much, Fabian. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, and um, I just, like when reading this there, I was thinking about the first time you and I met and uh, we did some circling together. That's right. Actually, not circling, but circle, because circling is, is different. And circling is also very important, but it's a different thing entirely. We circled. We sat in circle. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's dive deeper into that further down the line in this podcast. Certainly. Yeah. So we're going to get started with a, uh, our typical question, which is, what does being a man mean to you? That's a great question. Um, Let's see. Maybe I'll answer it by telling a story. Please. So I was in Hawaii with my wife. We were working with a tantrika. I don't remember what she asked, but my response to her was, and this was sort of a visceral, immediate, like gut response. And also, can I just come in and ask a tantrika? Do you want to explain that a bit? For the sure. Others? A tantrika is a woman who is uh, an expert in the art of Tantra and who teaches other people Tantra. Tantra doesn't mean sex, but sex is a part of it. Um, and we could get, I mean, should we speak more to what Tantra is or, or save think, that for later? Yeah, I think we'll... That's a whole... Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll come okay. into that further down the line. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... So I was, I was, we were, we were working with this teacher and I don't remember what she said, but my response to it, and this was a visceral response was, and, and there's something about a visceral response, something that comes out of you that you don't even really choose to have come out of you that has some meaning. It's, it's, we have to look at it. It could come from the shadow. It could come from, uh, the light. It could come from the light inside the shadow, which might be the truest light of all. And what I said was, that's because men are responsible for all of the world's problems. Now, I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying that's what I said at the time. Mm -hmm. And there was, as is the case when we talk about integral theory, 
there's there's truth and there's falsity in all things and we can find the different pieces and 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 so we want to we want to look at what is true and and try to integrate and transcend with the part that is true or the way ken wilber puts it is nobody is smart enough to be wrong all the time Mm. which is i really think is a beautiful (laughs) concept right so anytime you know we think someone is terribly wrong or or terribly flawed or terribly whatever it is we can still find the light in the shadow yeah 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 um, and actually I believe I might get this wrong, but my teacher, Dr. Rabbi Mark Gaffney, who is a Kabbalist from Kabbalah mm. and who is a, which is Hebrew Tantra mm. or, or he's from a lineage of Hebrew Tantra of, of a mystical, uh, lineage, the way they speak about the darkness, about the shadow is that it's in the shadow the light that you find in the shadow that is the brightest light of all and kabbalah is, is is very much about light and we're and understanding the world through light yeah uh, can i come into a question here sure so kabbalah versus hebrew tantra there's uh you know do you want to just take us through uh, an overarching uh explanation of those two yes i am not an expert I have just started studying. So basically 10 or 15 years ago, I studied with Thomas Jones for 10 years and was trained in the paradox process. Mm -hmm. And that was the first sort of father figure. No, not the first, but, but one of the father figure main teachers of my life where I really felt like I was a disciple bringing down a, a download from his, from what he was teaching. And I haven't had another teacher like that for a very long time. I think I was looking for one quite a lot. Now I had one teacher, Elizabeth Clement, who is a wonderful uh, teacher. She's not looking for disciples. That's not kind of her way of understanding the teacher uh, student relationship. She comes from a, uh, a shaman background. And as the shamans say, we burn our teachers in the fire. It's a different way of thinking about things, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was still looking for a teacher. And I think I was also looking for a father figure. So I think it's, it's a little bit of both the, the blessing of the father from the teacher. And I came across Dr. Rabbi Mark Gaffney's work when he was speaking with Aubrey Marcus, they had three three hour sessions in a row in uh, as podcasts. And it just, I went into a deep dive and I was like, wow, this is my next teacher. And I went to his Eros mystery school in Belgium for five days and asked him to be my teacher. And he accepted, or he, I, he accepted me. And so why was I telling you that? I was telling you that because I asked about the um, Hebrew Tantra versus Kabbalah. So, so I've just started studying with him. And so my knowledge of, uh, uh, of Kabbalah and Hebrew Tantra is new mm. and my, uh, my knowledge of the history of it is especially new. Mm. So I'll do my best. Yeah. Um, so what's the best way to speak in a way? So I'm Jewish, which could mean religion or it could mean sort of ethnicity 
and it could mean nationality could mean a lot of things. The way I was brought up being Jewish was much more like your being Swedish is like me being Jewish. Mm. It's like it's not something I believe in. It's just something I am. Yeah. And I'm that before I'm American. Mm. Um, and that doesn't mean I'm Israeli because that's a totally different thing. Right. That's yeah. that's that. And it doesn't even mean that I'm a Zionist. That's a whole other thing. It simply means that that's how I see myself because that's how I was raised is to see myself that way. And it has nothing to do with God or any understanding of religion, really. Um, so I lost my train of thought. Why was I telling you? Why was I telling you that? Okay, well, going, going back to, to, yeah, I, I know I was telling you that. So I grew up with things like Passover, which is a, the story of the Exodus. And we went through the, the, you know, there's certain things you do and this is a way you do it. Just like Swedes go through certain things that you do and you each not, you know, you, you take schnapps and this is, this is, we bow in this way. And, you know, everyone has their kind of their, their, um, their ways, their ways. The Kabbalah or, or the way that he teaches Kabbalah, the way Mark teaches Kabbalah, it looks at those stories that I was raised with and sees them from a completely different perspective. It's still the same story, but it's a, but, but there's a mystical quality to the story. And that mystical quality adds a lot, it really changes the way you see what these things mean. So for example, Passover, we're told the Jews left Egypt and they went through, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the, the seas parted so that they could come through and then go into the desert. And the way the, the Kabbalists talk about that is that actually when they were going through the parted seas, it's like going through the throat. It's how we speak our truth. Mm. It's, it's, so, it, so it's actually a story about speaking your truth. And it's not simply people walking into the, you know, like escaping and going to the desert. It's also that, but then there's a mystical aspect to it as well. And that, that mystical aspect for me grabs me and like, it gives you, it gives you so much that you can learn from it, which is really powerful. And as I understand it, when, when, um, uh, so, so, uh, the, the tradition, the Hebrew Tantra tradition is actually from a time when the, the, the Kabbalists and the, or, or it's not even Kabbalists at that time, but, but the, but the Hebrew mystics and Tantra were mixed together, that there was actually a connection between the two through Solomon. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to go too deep into it because I don't know the history well enough. Mm -hmm. And I really don't want to do it uh, an injustice, but the basic idea is that it's from a very long time ago and it's very mystical in its approach. And it understands these stories, even Jewish stories in a different way than the traditional, uh, the Judaism that I grew up on. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Got it. I mean, when I hear Kabbalah and from, from my learnings about it, it's what I see is these uh, 10, uh, what do you call the, the tree of life, the tree of life, yes. where you have these 10, uh, the embodiment of, of God, basically. Yes. And, and that journey really, uh, we're just starting to learn that now. I think we've gone through the first two. Yeah. So I'm not an expert by any means, but yes, that is a big part of Kabbalah. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, brilliant. Uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll be able to return uh, somehow later into the the call to. I mean, really curious about about tantra as well here but certainly let's let's circle back to the question about what it means to be a man well one thing i'll do is i'll connect uh 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 the the kabbalah and tantra for a moment because i think this will be helpful yeah so the Baal Shem tov who is uh one of the the great kabbalists from the past understood or, or had an understanding of consciousness in three levels at level one, we could say is actually let's let's do this a little bit differently. Let's do this in the tantric way because mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit easier from the tantric way, and then we'll work our way up to Baal Shem Tov. So, I studied with David Data um, at a Zen monastery in Colorado for seven days, two years in a row. For the first three days, you can't talk unless you're talking to him. Not because he's some great master. He is a great master, but that's not the reason. Mm. The idea is to stay in silence. And the way he explained the three levels was simply in the form of relationship. So in a relationship, he would say, for example, that in level one, um, you are. You are falling in love and anything that she wants, you're you're in. You're in for it. And so she says, you know, I, I, I want to see uh, I, I, what movie would you like to see? Any movie you want to see. You're in love. You're holding hands. It, everything is, is wonderful. And you are you're in essence fundamentalist in that way. You are totally in love. You have fallen. You're not in control. And then maybe a year and a half, maybe sooner. It depends. <laughs> And, and of course, I'm talking about a heterosexual normative relationship, and this applies to all other relationships and all other yeah. ways. I'm not suggesting anything around gender. Um, you step up to, to level two. And in level two, it's what movie would you like to see? I'm not seeing Titanic again. We already saw that. And, and you know, and now you're you're negotiating about which movie you're going to see. And like, you don't really hold hands as much. Maybe you hold hands because, you know, you sort of feel like it every once in a while. But maybe you just ugh. That's a different, that's level two. Level two, we're into rules. We're into, you know, using nonviolent communication. We're, we're into um, equality, things like that. Nothing wrong with those things, but that's level two. And level three, you come to a place of tantra. This is where the tantra and the, the Hebrew mystics kind of come together for me the best. Mm. In level three, tantra, which means to expand... You're now taking all of that excitement from level one, all that falling in love, like crazy, like almost, like people talk about love as if it's a fever, that fever from level one. But you're also living it through level two, which is we understand that there are rules and there's a certain way to be. And maybe we're in a marriage and, you know, things like that. Partnership, companionship. Exactly. Yeah. All of that. And you are including and transcending. This is Ken Wilber's work about integ- integral theory. You include and transcend at each level to level three, to the Tantra, and you widen back open. Hmm. And then, and, and in that widening open, you have all that falling in love, but you're doing it from a place of being inside a committed relationship or some kind of container that's been created. And now you're in the Tantra, but you're, you're back into a mystery. You're back into, into ecstasy. You're back into devotion. You're back into all kinds of things that you might have seen in level one, yeah. but in level three, they're even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, might, we, we also call that the second simplicity. Because the first, level one, 
things in level one can look similar to level three. Yeah. And it's very hard to tell sometimes whether you're in level one or level three. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so what the Baal Shem Tov said is that these three levels of consciousness are true in everything. And it's like, well, what does that look like? Okay, well, so Mark, my teacher, talks about this. He says, he says sometimes he, he's, he takes like an old text, like an ancient Aramaic, and he's, and he's, he's so excited to read through it because he's just found this ancient text and who knows what's going to be in it and all this kind of stuff. And he brings this ancient text and, and, he, and, and he starts reading it. It's so exciting. You know, he's just like he's fallen in love with it. It's amazing. And it's just like, oh, it's just, just blowing him away. But there's no sort of thought about is, you know, uh, how do I contextualize this or what does this mean or, 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 or what other scholars think or any of that kind of stuff. Level two starts asking questions. What, what does this mean? This was written by a human. There are problems here. There's something to be seen. There's shadow. There's, you know, all this kind of stuff. Now he's in level two. Mm. And then he goes back and then he goes into what he calls level three, which is sweetness. And he can taste it again. And he feels all the stuff he felt in one. Yeah. But he but he feels it through level two into level three. And that's the level three. That's sort of like like I they didn't I haven't heard them say this exactly, but I get the sense that it's like that's where you connect with God or that's where you connect with the divine or that's where you connect with all that is. Mm. And to be clear, when I say God, especially in Scandinavia, where um, I have never met people who are more dogmatic about not God than anywhere else, like about anything than they are about not God. Yeah. Their not God is stronger than most gods of anybody I've ever heard. <laughs> exactly. Which is pretty amazing. <laughs> and so what I used to say to them is what the, what, what I learned from the shamans. Uh, and when I say the shamans are shamans all over the world, the shamans I studied with are from Lake Titicaca in South America to be very specific. Yeah. Um, what they say is God is too big to fit into any one religion. Hmm. And I think that's great. And I brought that to Scandinavia and people said to me, I don't believe in God or religion, so I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. And that's a perfectly, <laughs> perfectly reasonable response. Um, and so, so what Mark says, which is way better, not way better, but way more effective for this particular place is the God you don't believe in doesn't exist. And I don't believe in him either. I'm going to say that one more time. The God you don't believe in hmm doesn't exist. And I don't believe in him either. But there is a field of value that we're all part of that has a trajectory that is telerotic, which means it's telos and eros together. Telos means it has a direction. Eros means it's coming together. It is coming together and heading in a direction. And we are all part of that field of value. And we are all actually a unique part of that field of value the drop in the ocean so the drop in and, and the idea of the drop in the ocean or another way to say that what the sufis talk about is is we are a a a wave in the ocean of consciousness mm. right that we are both the wave and the ocean at yeah. the same time but this is another level this is the third level from that because those that's only two levels that's level one and level two level one is is uh, you are a unique, you are a wave and you are a separate wave from all other waves. Okay. We call that separate self. We are a skin encapsulated ego. And then we step up to level two 
And in level two, we fall back into all that is, and we are part of the ocean. And some people do that through psychedelics, and some people do that through breath work, and some people do that through meditation, and some people do that through tantric sex. There's all kinds of ways to do that. Yeah, and I'd say a lot of people working working a lot with themselves are. Uh, I hear that as a as a general goal. You know, it's like to fall into nothingness or just become nothing. When you become nothing, you become everything, and that's it. Game over. Uh, enlightenment. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So what? what uh mark talks about and and i think you could say the dharma from and i'm going to just use the dharma from now on from the center for uh world philosophy and religion mm. is that that's level two we call that true self and we have moments of true self and some people get stuck in true self but there's another level because that's only level two level three is unique self and in the unique self we understand that being is not the whole story it's not simply about being, it's about becoming. And when you become, you're, you are a unique expression of all that is. You are a unique expression of the field. And that unique expression is absolutely needed by the universe and by the field. And that unique expression takes into account your ego. So you don't throw away your ego because we don't actually throw anything away. We integrate and transcend. Mm. That's the idea. The problem with the stopping at true self, sometimes the way um, integral theory talked about it is sometimes people will wake up, but they won't grow up and growing up without or, or waking up without growing up or, or even the other way around growing up without waking up. Mm -hmm. The more these are out of balance, the more dangerous things happen. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you have, you know, um, you have. Uh, gurus who wake up but then they don't treat the people in their world well yeah because it doesn't matter everything is just the ocean of consciousness and what does it matter we're all god we're all going to die it doesn't make any difference you start to lose your sense of well you, you lose the unique and the thing about losing the unique comes to the way that the dharma speaks about god they say that god is the infinite intimate so it's not just infinity it's also intimacy, the infinite intimate, and that God knows your name, which I thought was like, Phew. when I first heard that, when they said, God knows your name, my response was, I love that idea. I have no idea how to know that that's true. Hmm. And then he, he, and, and Mark said, okay, let's, let's have an experience of it right now. And actually, and we can get into that in, in a moment if you're interested, but he said, let's have an experience of it right now. Let's be really clear. Let, let's not pretend that God knows your name. Let's be sure that God knows your name. And then he went through it with me and, and I was like, oh, I guess, yes. Well, that, that definitely suggests that God knows my name, each individual person's name. And actually each individual person's name is a name of God. And remember, the God you don't believe in doesn't ex exist. I'm not talking about that God. No, I'm talking about the angry white I'm, man. I'm not talking about the angry white man in the sky. I'm not no. talking about anything separate from us. Not at all. We're talking about the idea that we are all part of one thing. That's the only thing we're, all that is, is a, is a way to put it. But the question about um, being a man. <laughs> so, so I said that, I said, uh, that's because men are responsible for all the world's problems. Hmm. And the Tantrika said, that's interesting. She's like, I think that has a lot more to do with you than it has to do with men. Like we're, we're learning, you know, like you're, you're, you're clearly projecting, you know, something. Um, and she said, when you get back to the East coast, do men's work. 
And I was like, okay, I don't know what the fuck that is, but sure, whatever. And then I happened to get back and my friend who had done um, Mankind Project and who had done uh, Sterling Men's Weekend invited me to one of those events just by chance. And it turns out that it was an event that he ran with a bunch of people. And it turns out it was terrible. But I love my friend. And he said, don't worry about the fact that this was terrible. You still need to do this. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what do, you, what do I have to do? And he's like, come to this next thing. And then a year later, I've been doing this. So, so I did the initiation. I did the whole thing for a whole year. Um, and I learned a lot and it was great. And there was a part of me that, that said, there, this is great and there's something missing. There's something that's not quite here. And I could feel it when I went to study with David Data. And I could also feel it when I studied with uh, Elizabeth, who taught me, who, who trained me in being a circle keeper. There's no divine feminine here. Mm. There's a men teaching men how to be men, but there's no divine feminine. There's something missing. And there's a lack of lineage. There's a lack of source. There's something that's not quite here. I'm not saying that's true for all men's work by any means. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it can be the case. And it was the case in the men's work that I was doing. Yeah. And so one of the men who I was doing the men's work with, he and I decided to start Quantum Warrior. The idea being that we wanted to take into account some of what we had learned, but also some of the other things we had learned from outside the men's work and create something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does it mean to be a man? Um, for me, it's... there's a there's a there's a a feeling of wanting to answer what does it mean to be masculine yeah which has its own meaning of course then what does it mean to be yang which has its own meaning yeah and i sat with masculine and feminine for a long time and the problem with those words there's actually there's nothing wrong with those words they're just impossible to use any longer because there, it's so quick that you come across people who think that masculine and man mean the same thing. Yes. And feminine and woman mean the same thing. Yeah. And then I learned from the Dharma and from the Hebrew mystics that they say, well, wait a minute. Actually, yes, we understand that masculine and feminine are polar, uh, are polarities of the universe, that they're, they're, they're part of the universe. But here's the good news. They came long before sexual reproduction. So we don't have to play with everything after sexual reproduction. It's way too complicated. We'll go way before sexual reproduction. We'll go way back to the Big Bang. And we'll say, what are we actually talking about? Line and circle qualities. Hmm. There are line qualities and there are circle qualities. The line qualities line up with masculine. The circle qualities line up with feminine. Everyone has a line and circle quality, has a unique expression of lines and circle qualities. So when you say, what does it mean to be a man? I guess my question is, what do you mean by the question? Perfect question. Yeah. Uh, And my answer is a person with uh, a predominantly line quality or like an overweight, like an emphasis on the linear qualities and uh, uh, leaning into those and less uh, in the circular qualities. Okay. Okay. So in that case, I would say my, my, so the reason we started or the, the, the archetype from which we started Quantum Warrior, which was about 12 years ago, was from those same shamans that I spoke about earlier who say that a man, they don't fuck around with the gender conversation. They just said a man and you can be upset with them. I'm just repeating what they said. 
I just happen to really like what they said because I think it really resonates. From the time that he's 25 till the time that he's 50 is in battle and he's bringing home the spoils of war. One way to understand that is actual battle, but another way to understand that is an ego battle. And I think that's a really powerful way to understand that. Yeah. If he chooses, he goes through the long, dark night of the soul and he comes out on the other side from 50 to 100 as a wise man. And a wise man is a man who is in service. Mm. And so the move from battle to service, to me, is the work of, let's say, masculinity. Or let's say the line work. And on the other hand, service can definitely be, there can be service through circle. Uh, you know, I actually, I literally am doing service through circle because I literally, you know, sub, like run or not run. I keep circles with men. And so um, you can serve with circle that being so. But I think I think that answers the question. I, th I think that's that would be my answer to your question is moving from battle to service. And one of the questions we ask in circle, which I find to be a really powerful question that you can ask yourself at any time is where am I currently in battle in my life? And what would it look like to be in, uh, in service? Where am I in battle? And what would it be look like to be in service? And that could be as a father, as a husband, as a, you know, as an entrepreneur, whatever it is, where am I in battle? And how could I be in service? And then, and then moving across that long, dark night of the soul, that's the work to me of the man. Mm -hmm. of the masculine mm -hmm. and the masculine of course happens in women and it happens in men and it happens in all genders. That's not the point. The, uh, but, but that's how I'd answer the question. Wow. Like, uh, going from, um, I love the description and I want to, I want to go right into elaborating a bit more on, because I, because I ask asked the same question for in all the episodes so far, and I'll be doing it the same service is a word that comes through over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, that the idea of service beginning at 50 is something new. Um, I believe many are in in um, sort of many, many men in from their like, whoever starts be, like begins personal development work, basically, talks about being in service um, from the get go. Whereas what I hear you say here is there's actually a long night, like a dark night of the soul process you're in where you think you're in service, but ultimately the real, the real service begins further down the line in your life. Right now, you're just gradually disassociating from these identities that you have. I don't want to say you're disassociating from the identities that you have, but you are integrating them into a larger identity. Yeah. Maybe that's a way to put it, because I think the disassociating or the trying to end your ego mm. is actually a mistake. That's what I've learned from mm. the Dharma, which I did not learn from a lot of the Eastern traditions that I studied. They they were very much about let go of everything. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a beauty to that. Become and, no one. Become no one. Yeah. Right. But or, or right. Become no one or nothing. Yeah. But here's, so I, I studied with a grandmaster Taoist for a while. And what he said to me was do nothing. Oh, sorry. Uh, do, do less accomplish more. And everyone's like, ah, you know, fair enough. 
Yeah. Sort of, you know, you get used to it. This took me like 11 years though to, to get my head around the whole thing. So the first part is do less, accomplish more. Or sorry, yeah, do, do less, accomplish more. Okay. The second part is do nothing, accomplish everything. Not because it's not as a cute idea. Do nothing, accomplish everything. And not like, you know, oh, this is a, this is a, um, like a, a metaphor or a, a nice idea. That's not the idea. It really, you, you really have to sit with it. Like actually do nothing. Do nothing. Yeah. But then the question is, what does do nothing mean? Mm -hmm. And what it means is do no thing. No thing. It's no, don't move matter in essence. Nothing Newtonian, right? It's doing th like you can be doing nothing. So, so we'll come back to that in a second. The answer to your question about waiting till 50 is it's not what you do, it's how you do it, Yeah, which I do have to give credit to the men's work for bringing that. Although I, not although, and taking it to another level, if it's not what you do, it's how you do it, then service isn't what you're doing, it's how you're doing it. It's the intention yeah. and the attention that you bring to it. Exactly. Which fundamentally shifts it because what you do really doesn't matter that much. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I can feel that right away. Uh, and, and I mean, I think be, being a man in, in sort of like still, as I say, the earlier phase of, of that evolutionary, not earlier, I don't know, like in the middle of it, somewhere in, in it, I definitely feel the, um, the um, you know, like the doing of the right things, like the doing of, of the good deeds, yet within myself, I feel the world that is happening. And there I feel that uh, intentions are always pure. You know, I work with those feelings all the time. Uh, so I try and do do the best that I can, like the, the fact thing, yet the work I see is still inside of my uh, inside of me uh, to to um, gradually not purify, I don't want to use that, but I integrate myself completely because I guess a part of the reason why I feel a uh, uh, inner conflict is because I am uh, avoiding, uh, avoiding to actually accept who I am. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. I still live with uh, the light warrior ideal inside of me. Uh, you know, the being the light, becoming the light, becoming this this person that that is uh, pure. And whilst I know now that ultimately the journey is to become everything that you are, it's still, uh, I mean, there's one thing mentalizing it. There's another thing to actually begin to embody that truth. And that I see is, is a journey that I'll be on for uh, some time more. That's for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Uh -huh. and, and, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I think I spent a lot of time also feeling the sense of like, what does, what can I do to let go of more so that I become completely pure? Yeah. And what the Dharma speaks to, which is a very different way of understanding it, is that actually you are a puzzle piece. You are a unique puzzle piece with a unique shape and you actually don't fit unless you're that unique shape. Mm. So being pure or or nothing yeah is actually doesn't fit with that way of understanding things then we understand the universe as being featureless sorry sorry being seamless which is the understanding of it's all pure it's all one thing seamless but it's not featureless 
meaning you have a unique part to play in becoming whatever it is that you need to do here. Mm -hmm. And the other thing he says, which I really love, is that all of your mistakes are absolutely essential to your uniqueness. Yeah. And they're not mistakes. They're essential. Mm. Yeah. They're essential. They're essential. Yeah. That you are not you without them. No. Yeah. He's actually, Mark's having me write a sacred autobiography. And in the sacred autobiography, he's asking me to consider three moments, three, three different kinds of moments in my life. The moments where I feel on the inside, where I feel in intimacy or in connection, and the moments when I feel on the outside or in exile. And the way we talk about it is inside the temple or outside the temple. When you're outside the temple, you are a skin encapsulated ego. You feel completely alone. You feel that you are not part of all that is. You've lost God in essence. You've lost your connection to the universe. And then inside, you are connected again. And then there's a third thing, which is on the inside of the inside, which is the really special moments. Those moments where you feel completely connected to all that is and your unique self, your unique need, your unique um, expression is absolutely essential to the moment. To look back through your life and find those things, but not only the inside and the inside of the inside, but also the outside moments. Exactly. And what you find, which is really fascinating, is that a lot of those outside moments are very close to the time of the inside moment. So you'll have the inside moment and the outside moment will come or vice versa, mm -hmm. because there's something about the outside moments that are absolutely essential. The, the moments of exile, the moments of loneliness are absolutely essential to you giving your unique gift. You're give, you being your unique self, speaking your unique truth, telling your unique story. The story has to have those parts of the plot where things look like they're going to go terribly wrong. Yeah. But also, I mean, being on the outside versus being on the inside, uh, that's something that, that happens every day, right? It's like in and out, like going into in connection, out, out of connection. And and also, I'm like, I'm, I feel a calling to, to reconnect also to maybe bring this in and reconnect it with those levels there, because there we, we really brought something new to, to uh, my knowledge and and understanding as well, like the levels, the level one, level two, level three thing. And I want to know, I mean, with all that new, like how, you know, what what is the way to like, what is the way to, and also you said, they exist in everything. So does that mean that I can be in a level three? I can like, is my career, does my career have those levels as well? Or is it can I be in a level three with my woman in my partnership yet have other friends? Like how, how does it work? And what are some ways of actually going towards this level three consciousness that you're talking about? Sure. Um, so I'm new at this yeah, and it's a new uh, paradigm that I'm playing with and getting used to understanding in the world. So to answer the question of, let's say your career, I think you can ask. So if we if we take the three levels as level one is the separate self. Yeah. 
Level two is the true self, the connection with all that is. Mm -hmm. But level two as true self, as connection with all that is, can also be the rules, the state, the, the you know, I, I really feel Sweden is a great example because I think Sweden might be the greatest democracy that's ever existed in the history of mankind. That might be true. Thank you. It's a possibility. Let's put it out there as a possibility. Um, that doesn't mean it's perfect or that, it, you know, that it doesn't have problems and all this kind of stuff. And there's all kinds of things I'm, you know, totally like the, the, I guess we can't say this on the air, but there are certain things that are done in, in, uh, Sweden that are just ridiculous, but, but generally speaking, it's pretty fantastic. It's actually, I moved here specifically because of its freedom, uh, especially during COVID because my boys couldn't go to school in California. So we moved here so that my boys could go to school. Not because my wife is Swedish. That's not why we moved here. We had lived here before. I didn't want to live here again. That was not my plan, but we moved here because of the freedom or because of the, the right for kids to go to school, which I think is a very powerful thing. And, and so level two doesn't have to simply be true self, the connection to all that is. It can also be rules that hold things together. Okay. And then there's that level three, which is unique self, which is the idea that you, you, uh, you have a unique part to play. You have a unique story to tell. Right. Um, so I think what becomes dangerous is to say, Oh, I'm in a part in my career now where I'm in level three done. Yeah. That gets problematic because I don't think anything stays at level three. I think we get to level three and fall back. Mm -hmm. I think we integrate transcend and fall back. Uh, hydrogen and oxygen come together to make water and then they become hydrogen and oxygen again. Yeah. Right. Because actually when we integrate and transcend, we keep our autonomy at all levels as much as we're also creating communion. It's autonomy and communion. So we merge to emerge, but in the merging, we don't lose ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think there are parts in your, so, so at any point in your career, you could ask yourself, and this might be a question more about level one and level three, less about level two, but it could be about level two as well, is am I doing this from a place of ego, a place of battle, Yeah. right? Or am I doing this from a place of service? Am yeah. I coming from a place of service? Or another way to say that is, am I doing this from a place of fear? Or am I doing this from a place of love? And what the Dharma talks about love, it says love is not an emotion. It is a perception. Am I seeing this from a place of love? Or am I coming at this from fear? Yeah. And there's a big difference between thinking of love as an emotion, a mm -hmm. feeling that we have about something, and a perception, seeing through love, mm. seeing from a place of love. Yeah. Or what David Data would say is like, fucking the moment open with love. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like that's, you know, there's yeah. the, a tantric way of, of, of talking about it. Like that, that there is, there is a love sitting behind all things. And if I can feel the love, I can be with the love, be from the perspective of the love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sounds almost like a, okay. So it sounds almost like, like you said, it's like a state of consciousness that once I'm in it, it kind of becomes most of the things that I I do, but I'm not always in it. I go in and out of those. I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's I think that's very true. I think I think it works a little bit like a like dimensions. So for example, you have an idea in your head of a question you want to ask for, you know, like the, like the first question you asked me, what is, a, is it, what is a man? Yeah. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a man? Yeah. Now, 
you ask me at a three-dimensional level on this physical plane, yeah. okay? But the question actually comes from a higher dimension. You have more that you are imagining in the question than just those words. Actually, each one of those words is representing something to you, actually uniquely to you, that you want to bring across to me. Because in essence, you're asking yourself, right? I mean, we're just reflecting off of each other. So you're asking a question to sort of open up a chasm or open up a portal, yeah. right? And to do that, you have to take something that's maybe five dimensions and pull it down into three dimensions, which is actually what the brain does. The brain does this, literally. It actually takes dimensional. The, I was just talking with a cognitive scientist who was explaining this to me, that basically our brain can't hold something at five dimensions very easily because it's kind of, it's it's, it's difficult to hold it. Yeah. So it breaks it down to less dimensions. Five might, might not be right. I think the brain goes up to eight dimensions and it holds things at five. I don't remember the numbers, but the idea is that at a higher dimension, it's hard to hold it. Okay, mm -hmm. it's a moment in a psychedelic trip where it's like, I can't even explain what happened. Exactly. I can't hold what happened is in essence what we're saying. I can't hold the story. I can't bring it back to earth. Okay. So you have an idea about what you mean by that question and you do your best to put it into words, which is, you know, which are containers. Then you're going to send those containers across to me. And then you're going to hope that I open up to as many dimensions as you opened up to or at least something like what you opened up to. Of course, I'm going to do it in my unique way, yeah. but you're hoping that there'll be something about your unique way and my unique way, which will have a unique intimacy that will create something that's really powerful. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that that Tantra level, that level three, that unique self level is something that we, we, we come up to and then we fall back from. And the reason we fall back from it is because it's hard to hold. Got it. It's hard to hold all of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had this experience recently. Um, I don't think I care about, well, we can decide later if this is a problem, but I took 5-MeO-DMT, which is a highly, highly intense hallucinogen. Mm -hmm. um, it's like of the level of ayahuasca, but probably stronger, um, but it doesn't last as long. And this isn't DMT. This is 5-MeO-DMT, which is a very, which is a different compound. It's not very yeah. different. It's a different compound. And the first puff... Um, I, let me, let me step back. I took it six years ago for the first time. And, um, the experience I had was I'm terrified. I was holding my shoulders, my uh, cross, cross arms, uh, uh, on my shoulders. And I was telling myself it's okay to be afraid. And I'd never actually heard that before. And I don't even know who was telling me that. And when I think about it, some higher being or higher version of me yeah. or adult part of me was telling me it's okay to be afraid because I had been told most of my life, there's nothing to be afraid of, which actually means your emotion is wrong and don't trust it. Don't trust the emotion that's coming up inside you. I don't yeah. think my parents meant anything by that. They weren't trying to hurt me, but that's what we told kids for a very long time. We told them there's nothing to be afraid of. That's stupid. Mm. It's stupid because it doesn't matter if there is or isn't something to be afraid of. They're having an emotion. Yes. And actually telling them that their emotion is wrong is defeating their ability to feel their navigation system. So, and, and the, 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 the Kabbalists say, through my flesh, I view God. Or another way to think about that is my body is my, is my navigating way of understanding the mm -hmm. world. 
Mm-hmm. And so if, if I don't trust the things that are coming from my body, then I can't, then what do I trust? I, it's the only navigation system we have is our intuition. So anyway, I, I got that pretty loud and clear that it said, um, it's okay to be afraid. And then I started using that as a parent. I said to my kids, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be afraid. And I think that's been helpful. So this was my second round with 5-MEO. And in this round, I knew it was okay to be afraid. (laughs) That doesn't mean it's fun to be afraid or anything like that. That means it's okay to be afraid. Uh, It means you're not going to die. So I took the first puff and I really felt like I was going to die because it's incredibly intense and it's like pulsing through you and it's like physically painful. And it's just, it's just, it's just a lot. Yeah. And I, and I was like coughing and making weird sounds and kind of yelping. And, and then I kind of turned over on my side and, and, and was in like fetal position, just like shaking. Um, and then I looked up at the, at the woman who was supporting me and I was like, yeah, I don't think I got there. Um, and she, and she's like, no, you hit a wall. You're welcome to more, but you don't have to, it's totally up to you. And I knew it well enough at this point to be like, I mean, why are we doing it if we're not going to do it? You know, we're not going to do it. So I took another, um, hit and same intensity and same everything. But this time I really tried to open up and let go into it and breathe and breathe and breathe. And I've been, uh, um, working with a, um, a therapist who does core energetics and she's been teaching me to, uh, to, to really like to open up in the midst of pain. Right. And in the, and in the midst of pain to keep breathing, to keep breathing. It's okay. You're here. You're, 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 you can, you can stay conscious. You can stay here. You don't need to escape it. You can be here in the body and it's going to be okay. And I breathe through it. And I breathe through it and I breathe through it. And it was very intense, but it was, but there was a moment there where I felt this sense of not that I'm God, but that the experience of being God and holding all of this is way too intense. It's almost like it would break you and, and you could feel the sense of what it would feel like for it to, to, to hold it all and to have it all break you. Maybe that's what level three is like, mm. is that in essence, it's really hard to hold because it's yeah. going to break you apart and it's the great place to be. And another way to say that is what the lineage talks about is that the garden of Eden is not paradise. It's paradox. Hmm. It's in the paradox. And it's interesting because I studied with Thomas Jones who had the paradox process. It's when we are at the place of paradox that we are truly in the garden or in the temple or inside the inside. That's actually a good place to be, even though it's so uncomfortable to hold the paradox, you know, like I'm sitting with, I don't know. Um, I was thinking for a long time, you know, uh, I, I can't stand Trump. And I think he might be the only president that has in my lifetime that has not taken our country to war. Mm. It's like, I think that's a good thing. It's like, how do I sit with those two things? Like, yeah. Does that mean he's the best president we've ever had or the worst? I don't know. You know, and, and, and that's complicated. And can I sit in that paradox and hold both things without being pulled apart? Mm. That's level three. And I would say you can't stay there. Maybe you can, maybe some people, maybe, maybe enlightenment is being able to stay there. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I believe also something that just came to me now uh, for, for people that haven't been through uh, psychedelic experiences, watching your first child being born, 
I haven't actually, but I imagine that's something from from what I hear and pick up from people describing it. It seems like uh, something which is resembles a level three moment for many people. Mm. That's interesting. Transcendent. Ah. The moment you uh, there's something happening in, in, in people when they see their first child being born. I haven't experienced it, but yeah. I, I know you have. So well, my ex my experience with my first with my first child is, um, I mean, to be honest, the whole thing, the whole like labor thing, is fucking terrifying. Yeah. So in a way, uh, I mean, and and I and and I have, I don't know, for for me, uh, who is sort of, I have like hyper vigilance about uh, uh, safety. Yeah. This kind of stuff is really tough because you're because, I mean, first you hear things like, you know, it, it, it's very dangerous for a woman to go through pregnancy. And like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. But but, you know, whatever. It's a complicated situation. Yeah. And then you've got the whole the whole hospital aspect to it, which is mm -hmm. its own complicated story. Um, and, and then you're just exhausted because you've been there for, you know, the first, I mean, the second child came out in three hours. But the first one was like, you know, I don't know, 40 hours or something. It was yeah. crazy. But. The experience I had when um, Gabriel came out, that's my first child, is I had never seen technology that was more advanced. It was like I was looking at an advanced society's technology. Mm. And it was like a train and a capsule coming out of her and and then and then landing in in the hands of the doctor. And then it came to life. And it and and I'm not sure, but it feels a little bit like the animating aspect of the human. Some people call that a soul. The animating aspect didn't enter this physical blood flesh suit until the moment that it was out. Yeah, that's when it entered. Yeah, I don't know. It it hmm. it's something because. All of a sudden it came to life. It like animated. It wasn't animated before that. And then it was. And I, I, I don't I don't know what I saw, yeah. <laughs> but maybe that you could say that that moment is like uh, a, a, a level three moment. Yeah. Yeah. And and at the same time, you're holding uh, and you're falling back into level two of like, how do I keep this safe? How do I keep you know, how do I keep this container, you know, protected and, and held together and all this kind of stuff? So, yeah. Yeah, probably. And, and I think something I've noticed is the moment I begin to tell myself a story about what it is that I'm experiencing, I've lost a moment. Mm. Uh, that's usually how I, 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 I often notice that it's easier to notice that, I, that I've just left the moment than understanding that I'm in it sometimes. Because I can feel it and I feel it the moment I begin to tell a story in my mind, like, oh, now I'm having this profound experience and I feel at all with everything, connected with everything, not realizing that as I'm saying this, I'm removing myself from the moment because it's it's like this 3D thing. My mind is beginning to like conceptualize the experience from five dimensional or how many dimensions that is when you are in those states to something understandable words that we can then grasp wow that's beautiful yeah i think you're absolutely right so so what i heard you say is when we start to interpret the experience we're having we're no longer having the experience exactly that's fascinating and sometimes that can be instant yeah like uh, also in and i noticed that is and i think that it's that's uh, difficult 
when it comes to plant uh, journeys or psychedelic journeys, the constant trying to interpret like, oh, this is happening now. This is what I'm going through now. Oh, I'm now going into this trauma or now I'm experiencing this and this and this and this and this. At least I notice that a lot. It's just like allowing and sometimes you get into these moments where and I usually I, I notice like it's, it's almost like coming back from those moments. And it's like, where was I? And then you begin to think again. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, yeah, that's really that's fascinating. I, I remember I, I went to uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah. Uh, for uh, a s seven days in Cancun. It was a, uh, 1,500 advanced meditators come together to do this work for seven days. And it's like, uh, I don't know, six to eight hours a day of meditation. Um, and one of the meditations is, starts with an intense breath exercise. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether I had a DMT experience, like hit the pineal gland and therefore had a DMT experience or, or literally made myself pass out. It's very hard to tell. Mm. Um but I was doing the breath and then I was not there. And then I was listening and I heard his voice saying something. And I, then I started to, to say to myself, like, why aren't you listening to him? And I'm like, who, who, what do you, who, who are you? I don't. And I was like, totally confused. <laughs> and then I came back into my body and then I was like, okay, I'm here again. Yeah. But, but in that period of time, I, that, that experience that you had, like until that moment, I had no interpretation. And then I started to interpret because I was like, ex, like confused. Exactly. Yeah. And then you fall, fall out of the level three back to level two. Yes. Yeah, I think no. that's, I think that's a, a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Or it might be that you fall from level three to level one, because it could be that you fall from the, from the simplicity of level three to the simplicity yeah. of level one, it, it, depending on how you, how you look at it. But yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Exactly. Wow, what a journey we've had so far. Yes. I am keen as we're moving towards the end of the uh, the episode, I want to touch base on the global intimacy dis disorder. Yeah. That you are uh, now uh, engaged with. I, can you please elaborate a bit on that? Uh, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so... Until there was a nuclear weapon humans were not able to wipe out humans across the world and then there was a nuclear weapon and now we had an existential crisis because we had a a weapon that could literally knock that could that could end civilization and since then um we've gotten good at it and so now we've got about 14. Hmm. um AI, uh, uh, CRISPR, um, uh, chemical weapons. There are a bunch. I don't know yeah. them all. Um, and so we have what's called a meta crisis. And when you have a meta crisis, you can either look at any of the or climate change. You could look at any of the individual crises and try to solve that one crisis. Crisis. Or you can say, well, what is leading to all of these things? What is the, what is the reason we have all of these things? Mm. And what the, what the Dharma speaks to, what the, the Center for uh, World Philosophy and Religion speaks to, is that if you go up to the meta crisis, what you realize is that it is a global intimacy disorder. Mm. And what that means is we are not intimate with, we are not connected to, we do not feel with 
everything around us, whether that be the animals, the plants, the earth, each other. If you look at any of the problems, there's always something in there that has something to do with a lack of intimacy. Hmm. Um, one, one, when I, when I was on the, uh, when I was, when I was, uh, part of the UN, uh, uh, help desk, um, the UN global help desk, we, uh, who was it? It was some, the lady was fantastic. I can't remember what her, what her name is. She was the, the, the wife of one of one, I think of one of the astronauts that walked on the moon. Hmm. She's a really amazing lady. I can't remember her name, but anyway, she said to me into me, see is the best way to think about intimacy. And I was like, mm -hmm. God, that is good into me. See, I heard that as well, actually. Isn't that nice? I really like that. Um, and there's a lot of other ways to think about intimacy, but feeling with each other, right. Or, or, or feeling, feeling more people. Um, so, that's the that is the 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 thing that's missing in almost every problem all the places where the parts don't come together to integrate and transcend it's because there's a lack of intimacy yeah and that's a big idea and it's sort of like okay yeah what the fuck am i supposed to do about it and here's the answer to that here's yeah. the answer to what the fuck am i supposed to do here's one thing you can do and I've been trying to do it, and it's much harder than, than, it, than it sounded at first, but it's not impossible. Don't let anyone serve you if you don't know their name, because their name is the most important word in the language to them. The Kabbalists would say their name is actually a name of God, yeah. and their name opens a portal to who they are. If you don't know their name and they're serving you, then in essence, they are a means to an end and you are no longer in intimacy with them and if you are not in intimacy with them then that's creating the global intimacy disorder does that mean that if i know everyone's name and you know everyone's name and we all know everyone's name that climate change will go away no but it does mean that you will start to create the fabric necessary the story necessary or inter interweave the stories necessary to be able to create solutions um, and there are many more like that, but that's like the simplest one. And I think that's a really beautiful one. And what I have found is that it's awkward Yeah. because you ask some, I mean, I just went across the street to buy some groceries here because you have a great grocery store across the street, your supermarket, you know it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Um, and the woman is, is ringing up all my stuff and she's not talking and I'm not talking. And this is just going to be one of those transactions. And I'm like, at some point here, I need to ask her name because <laughs> you know? I'm trying to do this. And so, uh, I did. And she smiled because yeah. she's like, you know, especially because I, sometimes people are, are, are skeptical at first. Cause like, why the fuck do you want to know my name? Uh, or especially in an Uber. You know, why do you want to know my name? Uh, you have it on the machine. Are you trying to figure out if I'm the right person? Are you, are you, you know, all this kind of stuff. But then, a bad review. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But if you respond with, with your name, in essence, you're saying, I'm actually interested in you being a human and me being a human yeah. and us being humans together. And that is a big deal, a really big deal. It's such a big deal that my kids will now notice when I don't know the name of the waitress and they will say to me, um, 
But you don't know her name. Yeah. Oh, God, you're right. It's uh, creating a culture like, around asking people's names, yeah. like like letting uh, letting our the next generation like yeah installing that as a as a standard. Yeah. 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 That's powerful. I think you were saying that you try to ask, uh, "How are you?" Yeah. I mean, there's there's a definitely. Um, I think from somewhere, I picked from I picked up somewhere that a way to like the. the the difference between you being disconnected and disconnected is asking the cashier, how are you? Yes. Because like when you ask the cashier, how are you? What's going to stare back at you is going to be God or just the presence. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's, as, that's what it takes, you know, to just like meet and connect with someone because presence or God, it's just, it's always there always available uh and it doesn't take much but we keep walking around in disconnect mm, yes uh for most of the time yes and uh so what i think you're doing here and and like this intimacy it, it kind of feels like the same same thing we're talking about i like what you said about the name the name being you know, that's a whole nother topic uh, or not, not a topic, but it's a, it's a deep dive. We're not going to have time to go into, but, you know, we, we are all given a name and the mother or the father or the parents find inspiration for, for a name. And my name is Fabian. Others are, I mean, you're Ted, Joel, Robbie, people around me are named David, Daniel, and all of those, they, that inspiration for the name comes from something, right? Yeah. And that is, that is, you know, and you can actually do reading like on your name to understand and get guidance for your life as well. Yeah. So just something that, that came to my mind when we we're talking about this. But yeah. Yeah. Nothing we'll deep dive more into for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one, one thing that I heard recently is if I rem if I understand correctly, God in the Bible or the God character of the Bible yeah. says often, and it was good and doesn't often say it was bad or it's bad or it's not good. But he does say that when Adam is alone, that it's not good for man to be alone. Or it's not good for humans to be alone. Mm. And I think he means lonely. I actually, I think the word is lonely. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's translated from Hebrew. So it's, it's harder to know, I think, but yeah. I believe it's lonely. And, um, so first Adam names all of the animals because there's intimacy in naming. You name something, it becomes intimate to you. Yeah. It's almost a portal into it, right? So now you are connected to it, but then it wasn't good enough. And that's why, uh, God creates Eve and we can get into all the gender issues of that, but that's not the point. That's not the, what, what that I'm trying to get at. I'm simply trying to get at the idea that, that it, it's that loneliness or that feeling of disconnect that is holding, um, holding us back from that connection. And the name opens it up immediately because the name is so essentially important to you. It's your name is so it, it, it is, it is who you are, just as you were saying. Um, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
I want to begin summarizing our call. And sure. this has been a, this has been a, what a journey to go through uh, through with you. And we we started off with the conventional question about what it means uh, to be a man. And I love how we went through looking into Kabbalah, uh, Hebrew Tantra. Uh, finally, or like further down the line, identifying instead of masculinity and feminine, talking about linearity and circularity uh, or linear qualities line circle qualities, qualities circle yeah. qualities mm -hmm. and how ultimately what it means to be a man is to go through a battle which is a dark night of the soul from 25 to 50 uh, and if you do it uh well i would say then you end up a wise man from 50 and onwards to 100. well it's not it's the the battle from 25 to 50 is inevitable it's, it's the choice to go through the long, dark night of the soul yeah. that leads you into being uh, yeah. 50 to 100 as a wise man. Exactly. Yeah. It's always going to be a battle. Yeah. Yeah. Always going to be a battle. But yeah, to really. To, yeah, exactly. I see that. And uh, and I'd also make the argument that actually in our current story of win-lose metrics governed by rival risk conflict, we have a lot of leaders and, and some of the work, I, I'm, I'm no longer at the Peace Innovation Lab, but part of the work I was doing at the Peace Innovation Lab was pointing at boy kings, how yeah. we've become enamored with boy kings, whether they be Zuckerberg or Trump or um, uh, there's so many. Yeah. And, and they're in battle. Yeah. You can feel it. They're in battle. They're not in service. No. And why are we choosing leaders that are in battle and not in service? There's something about us that's calling that forth. There's something missing in us that's calling that forth. Yeah. yeah. We elect our leaders. Yeah. 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 And we then uh, continued into looking at the three stages of consciousness. Wow. That's, um, that's a beautiful. And that was, what was it? True self? No, true self was second. The first one is, is, separate self separate self true self, true self unique, self unique self exactly yeah bringing in another piece to the the mystery of life there and and how one can basically go from the rigid solid identification loosing in all of that falling into nothingness and then returning back to life with uniqueness basically embracing all that was into this new expression yes and that your your sacred biography your sacred story is essential and yeah. everything about it is essential i love that and you need to bring that with you integrate and transcend it doesn't mean you have to be held to your old story and it doesn't mean you have to be held to old patterns no but you but there is something in that there is light in the darkness from those old patterns yeah 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 and then uh towards the end here coming into the global intimacy disorder and how a lot of the world's problems will be solved with increased or improved intimacy amongst people, not only amongst people, but also between people and the world and the planet and the animals. And a way to do that is to just ask whoever's serving you their name. Yeah, brilliant. I, I want to finish off with a question that I was, I've been curious about since the beginning of this call, which is how do I get fired? <laughs> um i would say in the same way that you are a unique puzzle piece yeah and that you have unique qualities to that puzzle piece that you must live into 
as you are living into that uniqueness of you, it will either get you fired, which it has for me many times, or fundamentally shift the place you're in so that you fit in a different way. Mm. Yeah. So go, going towards this uh, uniqueness of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll get to either fired or, uh, yeah, things will change. Things will change. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because you won't be able to fit in certain places exactly. and you will be able to fit in other places or, or the place will change yeah. to fit you. But I... you are that unique puzzle piece. And in any way that you dumb down that unique puzzle piece to try to fit in, you're not actually doing a service to the place you're in or yourself. No. And you're keep, it, 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 keep, it robs the world of your unique radiance, the unique yeah. light that you have to bring to the world. Completely. Yeah. And I mean, this is not just about work, right? This is about whole everything in life. Absolutely. Relationships. Like I've seen many, many of my relationships fade away uh, or dis just disappear from uh, from me and my my space because I've changed. Others have stayed and changed with me. Yes. Uh, and many new have come and then left again, you know, so it's yeah. uh, it's one of those things when you begin to change uh, things, things really do change. Yes. Any final uh, final words or checkouts from your end? What are you bringing with you? I really love the idea that you brought up, which is if you find yourself narrating mm. your experience, you've lost the experience. And that, that to drop back into the experience is to let the narrator go. Yeah, You're not part of the story if you're telling the story and the reason it's it's so i mean we started this entire conversation before we even sat down to the microphones about acting and directing you know and i went to graduate school to be a director not to be an actor not to be on the stage to be you know uh behind the stage or or behind the camera or whatever and in a way it's like well there's something about directing that actually you're not actually in it um and so it, it, it's something to, to really think about. And the one other thing is to say is to invite anybody who's listening who identifies as a man um, to to join us in circle, because I find that it is the most powerful tool I have found to create intimacy. It's one thing to know people's name. I think that's huge. But this is a different level of. Creating intimacy and learning to create intimacy in your life. And circle has fundamentally shifted and changed my life in so many ways. I circle with my wife every day. I circle with my best friends every week. And, and then, I, and then I, I keep, uh, uh, circles for men and I find it to be the most, the best medicine I've come across and the simplest. I, uh, from, from the experience I've had with it absolutely amazing and uh, where, where can our uh, listeners uh, find you and how how do you how does one join you in circle yeah we don't do anything online because well i've just i don't really trust the internet at the moment for as a tool it's not it's not the most effective tool for intimacy <laughs> as we can see uh and so i guess the best way is you email me Ted at enterportal.se, E-N-T-E-R-P-O-R-T-A-L.se, and say you want to join Circle, and we'll take it from there. Amazing. Simple. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, love that. Uh, a big thank you for uh, you coming here, Ted. 
I hope we uh, get a chance to speak more and in, uh, into the future or in the future about um, many more topics. But Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.